Hey, what's going on? It's Paul Allen, play-by-play -play voice for the Minnesota Vikings, and thank you very much for listening to the UK Scoldgers podcast. Play fake. Cousins taking a deep shot. Jefferson's got separation, and he's got the catch inside the 40. Jefferson still going. See you later. Justin Jefferson, have a day. And John touchdown. Herb Smith, the rookie from Alabama, with his first NFL touchdown. And once again, we welcome you back on another long hiatus to the UK Scourges podcast, your number one place for all things Vikings related here in the UK. I am James once again, and I'm joined by the very reliable, very authentic voice of Tom Parry Jones. Hello, Tom. Very authentic. Yes. Hi, James. How are you, mate? I'm not too bad. It's been a while. It has been a while, and what a, what an incredible few weeks it's been. Absolutely. Cannot complain at how the season has been going on. I mean, first of all, we've got to address it. 13-4 to 4, division champs. It's a fantastic place to be under a first season head coach. Yeah, not just first season with us, but first season like coaching as a head coach at all. And I think it's testament to how well he's done that, that not only like we're it's the end of the regular season and we're saying the season is still going. Yeah, absolutely. And no one expected postseason this early on, especially when a lot of people were pointing towards a rebuild or at least a reconstruction of the team uh, going into this season. So to be able to claim at least one win against everyone in the division and then take the title so early as well was a real shock to the regime and to the fans, but a pleasant one for the first time in a while. Yeah, I mean, we made it hard on ourselves. We could have won the division title like three weeks before we actually did, but I, I'm not complaining. You know, it feels good to say we are the champions of the NFC North again for the first time since, what is it, 2017? 2017 it would be, where we almost Minneapolis made it. miracle year. <laughs> so, uh... mate, and let's let's not forget, we've had a few games this season that could count as another Minneapolis miracle. Oh, my days. Yeah, <sighs> Too many to count. I mean, the amount of one-score games we've won this season is just a testament to how well O'Connell has built this team back up. I mean, going from the Zimmer regime last season where we got into one-score situations and it looked like we were always going to fold to now having, I think, breaking the NFL record for most single wins, single point wins in a season. Yeah, just... single-score wins. I think it's what, we 11-0? and 11-0. It's just... We beat, we beat the... Packers and the Bears at book bookending the season with multiple score wins, and in the, in the middle we 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 struggled to win games by more than a single score. That's it. But it's it, in the NFL. It's not how you win; it's that you win. And those thirteen wins cannot be taken away from this team. So, going on to what we're going to cover today, obviously being the end of the regular season, not our season overall. We decided to hold off and come back for just a bit of a review, a look at everything, and go with our best moment of the season, worst moment, offensive, defensive, special teams, MVP. A little bit controversial and get a bit of discussion of least valuable player and our shock of the season. Now, we did propose this question to the Vikings fans who follow the UK Scourges at the UK Scourges on Twitter, who responded in kind with some of them, and we'll bring those into the discussion as well. 
as we're going through. Uh, but overall, it's everyone seems to have their opinion, and it's it's good to see. It's good to have that variety throughout season. If you just win every game the same way and have predictable results, it just gets a bit boring. So it's one no, reason why we why, all love the Vikings. Why even bother following sport if you're just going to win every week? What's the point? That's it. That is it. So <laughs> kicking us off, uh, Tom, would you like to t- start us off with what you would say is your best moment of this season? Uh, I'm going to take us all the way back four months ago to the very start of the season. And I'm not just saying this because I was there, but week one at home to the Green Bay Packers at US Bank Stadium, blowing them out of the water, um, seeing like laying the groundwork for not just how our season was going to go, but really how their season was going to go. It was an incredible experience to be there at US Bank and to see the Vikings absolutely dominate the Packers. Yeah, that, that was my best moment of the season. Seeing JJ walk in essentially with, for the first touchdown of the season, that set a, a benchmark for what his season was going to be like. Yeah, that's the one for me. 100%. Can agree with that. W- watching Garibay get spanked any time of the season is always a good thing for a Vikings fan, especially when it's us and it's week one and it's at home. Fantastic moment overall. And kind of sticking to the theme for my best moment, obviously you said you were there at the US Banks for that one. Going a couple of months ahead, well, at least one month to the month of October, obviously going down to London to go watch the Vikings for my first ever game. Uh, that has to be the best moment. The 28-25 win against the Saints. Uh, a couple of funny stories about that. Obviously, before we walked into the game, I said to you, I want to see two players. I want to see a jet sweep. I want to see a fake punt. If I see either of those, I will die happy and <laughs> we got both on the same day yeah yeah we did yeah that fake punt by ryan wright was was a special thing 100%. like no one from where i was in the stadium no one could, could believe that we'd actually just pulled off a fake punt because that's not really what the vikings are known for we're not known really for for trick plays and and pulling off stuff like that but it really worked 100 percent. i mean it was fantastic to see that. Uh, it was fantastic to see the jet sweep with JJ going in for the score. The defense played out to a fairly decent degree. Uh, the story as well, Latavius Murray coming in uh, almost last minute for the Saints. We knew he was going to get some touchdowns and that added to the drama. But then we had Greg Joseph going five for five uh, on 47 longest attempt for 16 points to just get us over the edge. And go on to, as we previously mentioned, one of those 11-0 wins as a single point game. Yeah, for so, sure. Absolutely fantastic. Stark uh, contrast to some of the other games we've had this season, though. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it it's been a season of just a roller coaster, but it's been a roller coaster for the best. Uh quickly going on to some of the fan suggestions. Uh Ted Holmes uh on Twitter said that the Allen fumble was his best moment of the season. Uh, Tom Wade, who wasn't able to join us for this recording, he mentioned the Bills win, which again was fantastic. Just to witness that, uh, a good friend John McDonald for yourself mentioning uh, the whole Sunday for the Vikings game, not just the game itself, the pre-match before where everyone was down at the pubs just having a massive uh, blowout. Shout out to the pub that opened up early when the original one uh, almost bailed out on us. And we've got Ryan Williams as well saying his Kendrick's fumble recovery versus Buffalo. So a lot of good moments to pick out of this season. And it'll definitely be one looked back with in a lot of fondness, regardless of how it ends up in the postseason. Yeah, yeah. And let's we've got to look forward to the uh, the Giants game on Sunday. We're in the 
the middle window for the the Sunday playoff games. So obviously, there's two games on Saturday, three on Sunday, and then one on Monday. We are in the middle slot on Sunday. Um, I should also mention there are going to be some meetups for UK fans. Uh, in London, I know we're going to be at the, the Hippodrome Casino in Leicester Square. So if anyone's around, I will be at the Hippodrome. So if you want to come and say hello, do please come and say hello. I unfortunately cannot promise I'll be there at Leeds as I have work the next day. But uh, please get yourself down to these UK Vikings fans meetups. They are great places to be. Uh, obviously, the experiences down in London wouldn't have been the same without them. Now, to a bit more of a... All, all the info on those, by the way, will be on our Twitter. Obviously, I, I can't remember all the venues, but yeah, we'll put those on our Twitter. 100%. Uh, now, to a bit of a sour note, obviously, the worst moment of this season. Yeah, and... all the ups. For every up, you've got to have a down. So, yeah. Yeah, and I've chosen the worst moment being the week 17 game against the Packers. It was... It was. It's not the fact that it was a blowout. It's the fact that we suffered so many injuries just before the postseason on our offensive line. I mean, we lost our second string uh, center. We've lost Brian O'Neill for the season, seemingly. We've lost so much talent on there. And it was almost a, a strong stable point for the season, how good that offensive line was starting to become, even with a couple of blips, that losing it so late is going to be a massive hindrance going forward but still promising signs of the future with it but it just hurts that much worse when it's a 41 point loss to the green bay packers at green bay yeah that was a gross performance it looked like we the players just didn't want to turn up that was the, the most the most points we conceded in a game all season by the way obviously we scored a few in garbage time but we that we were outscored by the the packers 41 points beating the uh the 40 points that the Cowboys put on us. Um, I mean, that could be my worst moment, losing 40 to three to the Dallas Cowboys when we were on a a seven game winning streak. Yeah, it it wasn't nice to see at all. I mean, as you mentioned before we started recording, you, you thought we might have lost that game, but how we lost it was just even worse. And it, 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 it almost derailed hopes for the season, but then we bounced back with the win. So it was awful at the time great mm. in hindsight because it taught a lot about what this team could be and what it isn't right now uh but i agree yeah. it's absolutely horrible mode especially just scoring three points at home you want to give the home fans something to go home and at least smile about when you're getting blown out about like that but they couldn't even do that no uh and games like that that games like the cowboys game and the packers game and the Eagles game in week two all contributed to the Vikings ending up this, the regular season with a negative point differential. You know, we may have been 13 and four. We won nine more games than we lost. But because all those middle games that we won, the 11 that we won by a single score, um, it meant that the, the blowouts against Dallas and Green Bay and Philadelphia meant that we ended up with a point differential of minus three which I do believe is a historically a first for a team reaching 13 wins. Uh, correct, I yeah. I remember like a few weeks ago, we, it was the worst point differential for a 10-win team. And now we've gone on and won 13 games. Um, we also, have, it's, a, it's a record for that as well. Um, by the way, though, let's not forget that the Giants have a, a worse point differential than us. Theirs is minus six, ours is, uh, is minus three. So it, it is meant to. I was trying to find if that was like the first time in a postseason that the two teams have had a negative point differential in the season the and gone in a 
in a postseason matchup, but I wasn't able to be. find anything on that. So I'll try and check up that and update the Twitter uh, at the UK Scourges uh, when appropriate. So we talked about the worst moments, so we'll go back on the light side. Tom, <laughs> offensive MVP. Ups I, I feel downs, like it's obvious. How could it be anyone other than Justin Jefferson? Franchise record for most receiving yards in a season. Um, he led the league in receiving yards, in receptions, uh, yards per game. The last two games, like obviously Green Bay marked him out of the game. And then against Chicago, we kind of rested the starters. So he was never really going to threaten Calvin Johnson's uh, all-time single season record. But to have a Viking receiver break the 1,800-yard mark was pretty special. So, yeah, my offensive uh, MVP, Justin Jettis Jefferson. Again, as you said, it, it's almost hard to argue against it. But for my choice... You're going to try. I'm going to try. For my choice, it, it, as good as Jefferson was, there's one man that made it happen. And it, it's Adam weird. Thielen. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's weird because we're talking about... I'm going to talk about him, but in a place where statistically he's coming off a season where he's actually better the season before. And that's Kirk Cousins. We've seen the swagger that he's had on the field, that caution to the wind approach in some of the plays where, yes, he might have thrown the pick, but then he's come down out the next drive and just got that game as a captain, as your QB won, and just grabbed it by the scruff of the neck and took us downfield and got those points when needed and appropriate. It's just been fantastic to see uh, the new swagger to him, the new confidence. It's almost like he's a new player under Kevin O'Connell. And again, that strikes more to the testament as well as how good O'Connell has been at getting these player relations better. Uh, I don't think under the Zimmer regime we would ever have had the sight of Kirk Cousins in chains and sunglasses on a plane coming back off a team win. Yeah, Zimmer would never have stood for that. Like Zimmer's from the Bud Grant school of coaching, and I think Kevin O'Connell's from an entirely new school. Um, yeah, I, I can't really disagree with Kirk Cousins either, though. Like Passing and receiving is all about two players, not just one. Not, well, most of the time, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, for Kirk Cousins to be the guy throwing the ball to JJ, you can't really look past him. He's led eight um, game-winning drives this season, uh, completed eight comebacks. Those are league highs. I mean, Absolutely. it does mean that the, the defense has been historically bad for this team. Um, to get us in the position where we need to come back and get in and get into game-winning drives, but to have the weapons on offense to have been able to pull off those comebacks, Kirk Cousins deserves a lot of credit. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, coming off Kirk Tober as well, there was already early talks of the MVP race. I I, I can make the argument for it now. Uh, but I just want him to ball out in the postseason instead, prove everyone else wrong, get those big, big wins and get us to where I think we could be. It might be a bit early as well. And obviously the potential Super Bowl hangover is a bit worrying. But if you're in it, you're in it to win it. You can't go with an attitude of, okay, we're not supposed to be here. You go for it. And I think Kirk Cousins is that guy now to lead that. I wouldn't have said that a year ago, but this year coming off how he is, I can very happily say I think he is that guy to lead us deep into the postseason. I really hope so. I mean, there is that sort of cliche that Kirk Cousins can't do it any other time than at noon on a Sunday, um, which does mean that we are going into Sunday's game against the Giants 
with a bit of that hoodoo hanging over us. But yeah, like you say, he needs the opportunity to get that monkey off his back. I, I think he can do it. I, th- he- I don't think that the Giants should present us. Oh, no, I can't say it. No. <laughs> anyway, we'll save moving that for, on. We'll save that for a potential preview. <laughs> we'll jinx that later. In Mate, if you, if you think we're going to record another podcast this week, <laughs> you're being very optimistic. I mean, if, if needs be, I'll go solo. <laughs> who, who doesn't like listening to my dulcet tones? Tom, apparently. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> uh, anyway, we've talked so to offense. Yeah, obviously. Who's said, your defensive MVP then? Well, this is it because statistically, the defense is ranked thirty-first in the NFL. It's not been there's, fantastic. There's but, not been many leading lights, has there? No, but for the age he is, for the type of player he is, and for the presence that he brings, Patrick Peterson has been a delight to watch this season. I mean, he's coming off sixty-six total tackles, five interceptions, uh, averaging ninety-two yards on those returns, and he's just looked. Not like a shell of his former self, which he did last season, for in my opinion. He's looked competent, he's looked composed, he's looked like that veteran presence that a seemingly young defensive back core needed. And when you couple that with the plays of Hicks, Kendricks, Hunter, and uh, other names getting mentioned, he's just looked absolutely stellar. I mean, having the season he's had at the age he's had, and when people are always talking about decline and potential retirement uh, for of him because he's not played to the standards he set so early on in his career. It's good to see the almost Phoenix-like resurgence of Patrick Peterson. I want to see him retire as a Viking. 100%. I want to see him stay here until the end of his career. He's been that good. And he was one of the leading like exponents of, of Kirk and the chains, wasn't he? Like it, it was, that was Patrick Peterson sort of leading the, the calls for, um, for getting the chains on Kirk on the plane home from all those games early on in the season. I'm glad that didn't continue, by the way. I'm glad they sort of went like, okay, it's becoming a thing now. Let's like put a lid on it and yeah. find something new to get us going. Um, but yeah, I yeah. I have enjoyed Patrick Peterson this season. He's been, yes. he's, you, you stole my, um, my defensive MVP. <laughs> I mean, who can argue with statistically the fourth best cornerback in the NFL this season? Uh, but I'm sure you have another name in reserve. Oh, of course, of course. How could I not? Um, my guy is a 17-game starter this season. He played every single game and uh, picked up a heck ton of, of sacks to start the season. Picked up three in the win over the Arizona Cardinals. My guy is Zadarius Smith, who has come into this team at the age of... Well, he turned... Uh, 30 just before the season started went into a game against his former team the Green Bay Packers and dominated Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers couldn't get anything going in that game um, and he he just kept steamrolling quarterbacks throughout the season it was it was a sight to behold um, it's just a shame that we've only managed to get him on our side at the age of 30 yeah, he, I mean, could you imagine pairing up with a younger Eric Kendricks and Daniel Hunter when he was just absolutely storming? It would have been a sight to see. It, it almost purple people is two point uh, yeah. in a sense. Uh, well, the, but the whole defensive line, I think, has been a highlight for me this season. I know we missed Dalvin Tomlinson uh, for a bunch of the season, but when you combine Smith with Daniel Hunter on the other side, and then 
an interior of uh, Harrison Phillips, Dalvin Tomlinson, and a and other at, at sort of interior linemen. Um, that has been that has been a scary sight for opposing uh, offensive lines. Absolutely, and that's why the key phrase this season between the pair of Hunter and Smith was always "meet me at the quarterback." Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that that's a that's a phrase that goes back many many years. But yeah, they they stole they took that from the purple people eaters and and really ran with it. Um, they did. I think your your defensive MVP beats out my defensive MVP. Um, Zadarius only managed 0.5 sacks in the last seven games of the season, which isn't ideal. But it does stand him in good stead for going forward next season when we will be more familiar with this 3-4 defense and hopefully we'll be bringing in players who will fit that scheme more than the ones we have now. Like, that was always going to be an issue going into this season. Like, Kevin O'Connell and his um, defensive coordinator wanted to move to the 3-4 from the 4-3 that we've run pretty much ever since the NFL began. Um, but it's it's worked fairly well for a first year, yeah. Defensive scheme on this on this team, and Zadarius Smith was a big part of that because he knows how to play, um, a three four, a three four defense, as does, well, as apparently does Daniel Hunter. But I I think Daniel, you could plug him into any scheme and he'd be effective. Hundred percent. Um. To talk about a much underloved side of the team, obviously special teams uh, this season has been a real highlight, almost, uh, yeah. compa- especially compared to previous At years. At times. They've been At ups times. and downs. Yeah, but it's been less downs than we've been used to. Yeah, um, and, and players have stood out and and also regressed at different times. Um, but I think you've got, you've got a player who that perfectly encapsulates. He's had, he's had runs of good and runs of bad. Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, five for five against the Saints. Uh, career longs, franchise longs. Just got to be Greg Belleg. He's been a joy to watch at that kicker position, especially with like the haunts of Dan Bailey when he's come past his prime. Uh, looking at Blair Walsh, all those kind of kickers. Obviously, cooking Daniel, cutting Daniel Carlson too early in his career. To have the consistency that Greg Joseph have brought on, I mean, uh, for the season, he's hit 78.8%. He's 10 for 10 at 2029, 20 5 for 5 at 3039, missed one between 40 and 49, missed six at 50 plus, but that's kind of to be expected when you're not seen as an elite kicker, but a good one. I think he's definitely in that good category now. And obviously hitting the 61 uh, long field goal to win the game. Uh, earlier on in the season was just an incredible sight. Absolutely incredible. I think he's escaped the calls for him to be replaced, at yes. least in, in this offseason. I mean, maybe we'll bring in a, a, a kicker in the offseason to provide a bit of competition, see if we can improve on him. But I don't see us drafting a kicker in like the f- fifth or sixth round anyway. No, if we've got a throwaway pick, it might be a case of doing that, but it won't be an absolute need. But I think your pick for special teams MVP is going to blow mine out of the water because it's been such a revelation. (laughs) Yeah, like he came into the team. So my pick is punter Ryan Wright. I mean, I I could have picked from a lot of different guys. I mean, we could have had Josh Metellus, uh, who played really well on special teams in the latter part of the season. I think... um, uh, Chris Boyd had a good run on special teams in the kick coverage department. Kane Wangwu as a kickoff returner. 
even um, Jalen Rager as our, our punt returner who we brought in this season. But I think Ryan Wright on punt coming in when we already had an established punter in Jordan Berry. He came in and has only kicked one touchback all season. He's made 73 punts. Only one of them went to a um, went to a touchback and he had a net yardage like per punt of nearly 43 yards which is pretty effective he's uh he's my special teams mvp uh, i think he's he's been pretty good and can we even forget the um pass he completed the fake punt against uh, new orleans i know it was such a fantastic sight to see and it definitely the highlight of the day for me as much as the jet sweep was good it, that was just even better because it was just executed to perfection uh, go through again some of the fan submissions for MVP. We had Justin Jefferson mentioned by Ted. Uh, our own Tom Wade mentioned KJ Osborne, which again can't be argued against because he has had a fantastic season. I uh, mean, most valuable player, maybe not, but he has been very, very good. He's outperformed yeah. all expectations. Hundred percent. He's he's come up a lot this season. Uh, John McDonald again, Jefferson Jefferson, and Ryan Williams agreeing with myself uh, with Kirk Cousins being the MVP. Um, you know, I used to laugh at people who had Cousins jerseys, like because I never thought he really lived up to the contracts we were giving him, and um, I never thought he was the star of the team. I mean, your quarterback is almost always going to get press, but I never thought he was the star. Now I do not laugh at those people because Kirk Cousins, as you say, has been has been excellent. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, he's lived up to that QB one money now. I think, if especially if we can take us deeper into. Postseason, he's been what Zimmer signed him to in the first place. Well, yeah, oh, Rick Spielman as well. Like, let's not forget, uh, good old Rick. Yeah, good old. Anyway, Rick. right. I'll pause this one here yeah. because we've got three minutes thirty left on this recording. So I'd leave it. Let's go to a new meeting and do least valuable. Yeah, because then we can go through them as well and talk more along the, the shock. And yeah, I might not go with. KJ is my shock anymore because you've you've gone with the record, the, the like record long field goal, yeah, yeah, sixty one yarder against. Wait, who was that against? The Colts. Was that that was against the Colts? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right. Well, I might go with um, the win over Buffalo. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. So I'll let you lead off with shocks, and cool. We'll but then finish off with well. We're doing shocks. No, we're doing least valuable player next. So. Well, we can go in either order. It doesn't matter. Uh, we'll end on shock because it's more. We've both chosen a good thing instead of a bad thing, so it ends it ends it on a high yeah, almost. Sure. Right. So I'll set up a new meeting. And I suppose yes, because we've done, we've done MVPs. Now we should probably do LVP. Yeah. Right. Okay. New All meeting. Right. See you in a moment. Obviously, talking about MVP is a very easy thing to do, uh, but going with a, a bit of a controversial one of least valuable player, it's it, it, it's hard to task someone with this brush, I think, because especially when you've had a positive season, it's rough to say, yeah, you've been absolutely dire to our season this time around. But I don't think we're saying that about these players. I think we're saying that more about what was expected of them and what we actually got. Yeah, and I don't think anyone could really disagree with our choices. No. So for me, and I said this before we started recording, I feel like this is harsh, but I'm going to have to go with Cameron Dancer Sr. He's 
put it into context, obviously being a third round pick, not much is expected of you as being an elite level. There's like some exceptions to that norm, uh, but you're expected to just be a good squad player. And I think that is what he is. Uh, obviously only playing in 10 games this season due to injury. He started nine of them, combined for 50 tackles, 45 solo. He promised so much more. He hyped himself up last season and this season saying, this is it, this is my breakout, this is where I become the guy, this is where I become CB1 on that depth chart. And he's come back with no interceptions this season in those 10 games and five passes defended, which isn't fantastic. He forced the fumble, which is good. Um, But... Yeah, it doesn't even mean that quarterbacks aren't throwing his direction. No, it just means that he's been pants. That's it. I mean, one revelation of this season being Duke Shelley has come in and being massively undersized for his position, same height as me at 5'9", he's balled out. It, statistically, Shelley has been one of the best corners this season. He, I think he ranked third overall in, in NFL stats by the end of it. He didn't allow a single touchdown. Wow. And that was coming that, in late to the season. It is. And he'll probably be a big part of this defense going forward. And that's going to be limited stats for Dantzler because Pat P's still here. And he, obviously he might get phased out depending on how he de- declines next season, which I don't see much of as it stands. But it's going to be a limited role for Dantzler. And CB3, maybe even special teamer for a third-year player, a fourth-year player at this point. Yeah, that's not where you need to be. No, he's not really justifying his contract. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I would say I mean that you'll like this one. So I've just looked this up on uh, Pro Football Focus. Um, Cameron Dantzler's passer rating allowed this season was one hundred and twenty-three. Yeah, so, that's that's yeah, not quarter- fantastic. Quarterbacks throwing his way had an overall passer rating of one hundred and twenty-three, and he allowed eleven point two yards per reception. Can we get the what Duke Shelley averaged? Oh, I'll see what I can do. Talk talk while I'm doing that. Yeah, because obviously one, two, three, it's it's a big number. I mean, consider the fact that Kirk Bowling out this season had a QB rating of 80.5 to finish the regular season, and he balled out. But he uh, MVP candidates don't typically get above hundred. Uh, yeah. so to allow one, two, three is just so Duke, it's hard Duke to Shelley's, justify. Duke Shelley's was a shade under fifty-eight. Which it that's incredible, especially even for... though, although he did allow twelve point five yards per reception, which is more than Dantzler. I suppose that comes in volume though as well. I mean, yeah, Shelley didn't start as many games as Dantzler. I presume. I mean, he played eleven. I for mean, us. It, it could mean that he he didn't get targeted much, and the ones that he did get targeted on and allowed a completion went for big yardage. But it's not always like if a if a player misses a tackle. It's not or fails to defend a pass. It's not always his fault how far the the pass goes. If it's deep in the opposition's own territory and the player has eighty yards to run up the field, then there's a big potential for big yardage. Hundred percent. And anyway, I think that's one thing that really does disappoint me about Dantzler. He's he's a tall player. He's lanky, but he's not quick. He's not explosive. Once that player makes that catch, if he gets by him by half a yard, I'm watching the play and thinking, well, he's gone. He doesn't yeah. give me that confidence to make that extra play to stop that big yardage. And that's why I have to put him least valuable because I don't think we'd miss him 
if he's gone. We proved we don't miss him when he's gone because he's been out for eight games of the season. Yeah. But we, yeah, we haven't missed him. But uh, the, but that means like the, the guys who've come in have been fairly effective. Yeah, 100%. Like say, Duke, Shelley's, Duke Shelley's been great. Um, Chandon Sullivan's been a useful player this season. Yeah, they've they've all been good and reliable, and I just think if we can get a a, a decent late round pick for Dantzler to save some cap, I, I'd be making that deal if I was Quasi, one hundred percent. Yeah, even for a fifth or sixth rounder. Yeah, it's it's a return on an investment that you didn't make, so it's we always going to be. We a might be positive. lucky that we didn't. Yeah, we might be lucky to get a fifth. I've yeah. been pushing the boat out a little far there. Maybe we'll grab that kicker in the sixth round with trading Dantzler. Superb. <laughs> but I believe your least valuable player might stir some opinions. Yeah, I, I actually think that this is a player who people have been talking about as a letdown for much of the season. Um, and it's uh, running back Dalvin Cook, who ran for... I mean, he ran for over a 1,000 yards for the fourth straight season, which is up there with the best Vikings running backs that we've had. Like he's up there with uh, Robert Smith and Adrian Peterson, for example. But this is the first time he's ever been, he's ever played in every single game of a Viking season. And it's, it's barely above the yardage he managed when he only played 13 or 14 games in the season. In 2019, he played 14 games, managed 1135 yards Last season, he played 13 games, managed 1,159. This season, he only managed 14 yards more than that. Yeah, it's... I think his workload's been a lot lower, though, because even in, in those 14, 13 games, he only played, at most, 15 snap or 15 rushing attempts less than this season. So he's been sharing the workload with Alexander Matteson, who this season also played in every single game. Like He made, I believe, let me see, what is it, 74 rushing attempts which is actually his career low but it's it still means that the, the workload has been shared a lot more on the on the run side of the offense but that's bound to happen because we've been passing more yeah and we we've had to be passing more because we've been behind in a lot of games and we've been trying to get back into them so rushing attempts are going to be down but the other thing about Dalvin Cook is that his uh amount of rushing yards this season is about 200 less than what was expected i saw an infographic which i'm sure we can share on the on the twitter that said yeah he's about 180 to 200 yards lower than what his expected yardage should have been for for the runs he made yeah and especially when he's getting paid the big books as well you're expecting elite rb1 numbers and it's just not it's just not that it's good rb1 numbers it's not bad you could definitely do a lot worse than Dalvin Cook, that is for sure. But at the same time, if you're paying that much and he's hyping himself up that much and he's fit for a full season, you're expecting a lot more. And I do I do agree with put, potentially putting the least valuable tag on him because you could get more potentially out of another similar style running back. Maybe one who has better hands as well because there's been a few times this season where there's been There's some been costly fumble fumbles, issues. and it's just yeah. it's not filled me with the confidence that you want from your RB one every time. He's not been Absolutely bad, not. but he's not been the best. No, I mean, let me see if I can find the 
the numbers. Yeah, so there's four fumbles, three of them lost, which I think is a career high. Uh, I would not be surprised if we saw Dalvin Cook leave after this season. We do have a potential out ahead of the 2023 season. Um, it would saddle us with about $6 million in dead cap, but we could potentially uh, cut him yeah. this season. Because uh, I don't really see any teams likely to, to trade for him, especially after being so in, so ineffective. I mean, it seems harsh to say when he's rushed for over a thousand yards, but yeah, he's been ineffective this season. Um, I do have one theory on where he might end up, but I'll leave that for a another pod. Post a postseason, okay, a post postseason episode where we're Fair looking enough. ahead for the twenty twenty three season. Yeah. Uh, going the again, other thing, oh, sorry, well, I think the other thing I'll say is about his contracts. Like we gave him that contract ahead of the twenty twenty season when we didn't know how good Justin Jefferson was going to be, and JJ like because. JJ's first season was 2020. We gave this con- contract to Cook in 2020 when he was the the leader of our offense. Really, it was a balance between him and Thielen, but he really was. I think he, is he still offensive? One of the offensive captains. He is still one of the offensive captains. Exactly. So, it it's difficult with Dalvin. He he is still a very good running back. I think he's a very good running back. He may not be ever Hall of Fame caliber. I don't think he is. Um, but. Yeah, he's been he's been my biggest disappointment of the season. That's what our that's what this category is all about. It's not really about saying they're the least valuable. It's just they've been the biggest disappointments this season. Yeah, do better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, going on man. to the Twitter sphere uh, again. Ted has come in, and not just Ted actually as well. We've got John McDonald both saying Ed Dontel being the least valuable player, which, again, being the <laughs> 31st ranked defense, you can kind of understand where they're coming from with that. Ignoring the fact that he's not a player. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tom Wade has gone in for pass defense as a whole, which, again, a little bit harsh when it's a bend-out-break defense. Obviously, in my own chatter, I've, I've vented on how I don't like the 3-4 defense overall, but I understand the importance of that bend-out-break mentality, which has come in clutch for those... Um, one score wins this season and Ryan Williams coming with Kurt Cousin not Kurt Cousins (laughs) Kurt Cousin who only played three games against Philly Dallas and uh, Green Bay this season and yeah Kurt Cousin uh, please lead he is uh, he is ironically Kirk's cousin Um, Here we go. Well, this leads us on to the last thing to discuss, and that is shock of the season. So, yeah. with being a thirteen and four season, you think saying our oh, thirteen wins is probably the biggest shock, but with how chaotic it's been, there's been a lot of surprises for better or worse. And yeah. I'm going to go on that better side and talk about the kick of voodoo seemingly disappearing now i'm touching wood here because i'm not jinxed it before the postseason you bastard you've done us in now if we if he goes far right instead of uh far left then blame me all you want but breaking that franchise record with a 61 long field goal which looked like it had room to spare Mm. which was the most impressive thing it was almost justin tucker-esque which is well not not justin tucker of this season no, not this season. Last season, Justin <laughs> Tucker, when he he under, justifiably had a one hundred overall on Madden. Um, 
yeah, it's it's such a delight to see it. As, again, going back to referencing the likes of Blair Walsh, Dan Bailey, in recent years, uh, I still stand by that we should never have cut Daniel Carlson, but that's by the by, because that happened, that's done, and he's proven us wrong by being a very good player for the Las Vegas Raiders, almost said the cursed name. Um, yeah, Redskins. <laughs> Can't say that, Tom. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's 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 been a delight. It's it's a delightful shock for me. Yeah, it has been a it's been a, a nice problem to have. Uh, no, that's not that's not at all what I meant to say. But... <laughs> thank you, thank you, Greg. If you're for some reason listening to this, it's come on you like Spotify warps or something. Um, thank you for making five for five in London. That really made my day when I said beforehand to a Saints fan who come from New Orleans that our kick is probably going to win us the game. <laughs> <laughs> they were having none of it. And I saw him after the game and just kind of had a small chuckle to myself because they just looked at me and looked down and walked off. Brilliant. <laughs> like this this yokel from northern England doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know about <laughs> doesn't know about football. Deary me. Uh I'm gonna go with see, I was gonna go with an individual for this season um as my biggest shock. And I was gonna go with uh KJ Osborne potentially being a legit candidate for WR2 next season. He could be our number two wide receiver behind Justin Jefferson um, with Thielen now being, what is he now? 33. Um, but I'm going to, how could you look past the, the Buffalo Bills win? Yeah, it's, it's in a world of its own. It's that and the Colts this season were just fantastic, but the Buffalo Bills one is just special. I mean, you get a Jersey, of that game in the Hall of Fame, and you know you're onto something. Obviously, but it reference that in reference being to Justin Jefferson's uh, gravity defying catch. Almost, I mean, the which way... one play of the season, by the way, on <sighs> NFL Red Zone last weekend, which cannot be faulted. It is uh, one of the best plays in franchise history, up Definitely. there with like the Thanksgiving game for Randy Moss and other moments similar to that level. Yeah. It will be talked about for years and years. And I mean, Kirk Cousins, gone. Kirk Cousins' jersey is also in the Hall of Fame now for the comeback against the Colts. Yes, which um, again, but, it's fantastic. And all the more reason to get down to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I've never been. I've never had any inkling of, uh, of fancying going to Canton, Ohio. Um, but yeah, it might be worth going. Um, I mean, we could have said the Colts uh, would be the shock of the season. Uh, going 33-0 down at, by half time and then coming back to win 39-36. But yeah. for, the, for the way the way we stayed in the contest against the Bills, even, like I know we needed to score 13 points in the second half, uh, in the fourth quarter even, just to take it to overtime. But it, it wasn't... It was a good contest, you know? It was. And I think the YouTuber Urinating Tree put it best. It was what you want from a football game. If you're as a neutral, if you're wanting to watch any football game, like you've stumbled across those thinking, oh, I'll check out a few things in the NFL, see what's happening. If you want our one recommendation to watch as a pure neutral, go watch Vikings at Bills. I think, like on that point, I think if I was going to show a Vikings game to a friend, like to get them to support the Vikings, it would be the Bills game. 
if I was going to show a game to a friend just to show them like what Vikings football is actually like, I'd show them the Colts game. Yeah, the, 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 they are two sides of the same coin almost. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what a performance. So like, how could we, how the heck did we manage to pull off that fumble on Josh Allen, basically in the end zone to take the game to overtime? Honestly, absolutely mental. I couldn't give you an answer. I always have an answer for everything, and that is one thing I just cannot answer. It was just fated. It seemed like um, I. I thought like watching that game. I I remember thinking, yeah, go on. We'll we'll force a safety and blah 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 or whatever. Like force a safety and get them to punt. No, Eric Kendricks comes up with a like bitch slap of the ball out of Josh Allen's hands, dives on it and claims the touchdown. Like I don't think even the commentators knew what was going on at the time. No, everyone was oh, in shock. Oh, is it is it a touchback? Is it a is it a safety? Is it whatever? But touchdown. What, I a, will say, what a what a good game. I know it was fantastic. I will say about that game as well. The Justin Jefferson catch. If you're watching it in the background when it gets to slow mo, there's one Buffalo Bills fan. He gets up and he's celebrating like mad because he thinks the interception has happened. And <laughs> just as the replay is about to end, you just see the dejection as he realizes Jefferson has managed to not let that ball touch the floor and come up. It's with like it. it's like one of those. Um... Uh, pausing the the tape just as his heart breaks moments from the Simpsons. It was look, look you can see the exact moment his heart broke into. <laughs> um, and a, a non football related shock of the season for me was going down. You, to you London. do remember what um, podcast we're on? Oh yeah, sorry, go on. <laughs> going down to London and being recognised. Oh like, come for, on! All the work of it, not not just like they recognised me when I mentioned it, but they knew you, they knew Tom, and it was just. For how spotty this has been recently, in the past year or so. When, well, probably since COVID, really. Yeah, when we've had so many things go off in our own personal lives. To still have people, when they hear heard that name, go, oh my God, that's you. We're off of the UK Scolders. Yeah. This is it, getting a bit self-congratulatory. It was, but... It, it, it's just I want to say thank you once again to everyone who takes mm. time out to just listen to this. I like that. Two or three guys rambling away through a sport foreign to their country, but giving us that time of day, it's just special. So whether there's one fan or there's hundred fans, thank you very much. Uh speaking of the fans, they're shocks of the season. Uh, we've got Ted Holmes saying, You know, by soft... the way, we're gonna when we edit this, we're gonna have a slow, like soft violin playing underneath what you just said. <laughs> I am not that gifted. <laughs> uh, but the fans' shock of the seasons, Ted Holmes, how soft Dantel's system is 100%. I can agree with that because it was a shock to see how soft it actually was in practice. But again, it's growing pays. Um, Tom wading in, I just oh, that's such a bad pun. <laughs> Yep. Uh, I didn't want to mention it, but yep. Mentioning the overall instant improvements under Kevin O'Connell. He didn't expect it, but it's worked out in our favor. We John McDonald saying how confident he was that he was going to make the comeback against Indy. Uh, I cannot echo that sentiment. I put red zone on as soon as halftime hit. And then when I saw the first touchdown, I was like, okay, I'm going to flick back to it. Just see what's happening. Um, and then 
Ryan Williams agreeing with myself, the, the long field goal going in for the Vikings. It's just nice to see that on a semi-consistent basis. So the regular season now with this is done. We don't have to worry about it. The record will stay in place. The division title is ours. We rule the North once again. Yeah, we do. I suppose. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's, have it's you bought, have you ordered any um, NFC North Champions 2022 merch? I am waiting for payday. <laughs> um, I, I, I never like to order stuff like that because I know like it's almost like saying that's as good as this season's going to get. Like if if it turns out that we go on and do anything more, like if we win the NFC, or heaven forfend, uh, the the big game, like then I want to get that stuff. I don't want to say you know N- NFC North champions was the best we did in twenty twenty two. No, it, the season's not ended. It's our season's not ended here. I I have my hopes. The hopes will always keep going higher and higher with every play, and I think we just got to take what's in front of us now and make the best out of the situation. Uh, there there are tougher games that I would prefer to avoid, such as Philly, for maybe later on when we are a little fitter. But I think the Giants right now is probably the best way to start this playoffs we could have asked for. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're. they're... I, I think they're the weakest um the weakest team in the um the NFC side of the playoffs, apart from maybe the Bucks, who actually somehow managed to win their division with a losing record. Oh, that NFC South was garbage, but we will save that talk for a postseason preview episode. To wrap this up, I have once again been James and he has been Tom. I certainly have. We have been the UK Scourges. Live well, enjoy the postseason, and as always, the one thing to do in life, Skull Vikings. Skull! Touchdown!